With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, joined again by Chris Wardrobe from Bieber. Chris, you're joining us not from Bieber as a Bieber representative, but you are joining us as a boxing fan and as a fountain of knowledge, as I called you on Twitter last week. So I'm uh, looking forward to getting you back on and talking about the fights from the weekend. It makes sense, given that you did the preview for it. It's going to be good to sort of see what your reactions are to the results. And I think, you know, before we get into the the details of the fights I just wanted to say like I kind of felt like we nearly nailed it last week with the way we was talking about these fights I think the Zach Chelly Anthony Sims Jr fight was the only one where it kind of went the other way that maybe we kind of thought it was gonna go like Chelly obviously won the fight and we kind of both thought that maybe Sims would just have too much for him but yeah I think we was like pretty nailed on with everything else last week we was um and it kind of went everything kind of went down the way we anticipated it for the most part um for, for many people i think the adam azim going the distance was a bit of a surprise to maybe those who thought they were gonna you know he was gonna get the knockout and and you know we did have that conversation on the preview show about whether you know he'd, he'd, he'd dispatch with him uh, in a few rounds and we didn't really know much about reyes but what he's done is he's given Adam Azim the much-needed rounds, which I know it was something you mentioned in that preview show, is about that level of step-up that he needs rounds, he needs to be in the ring, he doesn't just need to be blowing opponents away because how is he going to be able to get the experience he needs when he does move up? So, going over to yourself now, Chris, just give me your thoughts about what you think about the weekend's boxing and how you saw everything playing out. 
Yeah. Well, you know, if, if we look at the kind of top of the card, as it were, you know, you talked about Adam Azim there, you know, I, I think the first thing that we've got to, to say is, let's remember this is a 20-year-old young man, you know, and, and that's exactly what he is. He's a young man. And, you know, after the fight on Saturday night on Twitter, there was almost a barrage of negative comments coming from some quarters. And, and, and I really just couldn't understand it because I thought to myself, here's a guy, first and foremost, who's came on, he's become top of the bill due to issues with, with Dan Aziz. He's went out there against a completely unknown guy. We don't know really what Ray has had. And, and he came out and he handled himself really well over 10 rounds. There was a heavy knockdown in round two. I thought Adam Azim's footwork was great. I thought his movement was great. He, he looked like he was powerful. But what we've got to remember is 20-year-old man hurt his hand in the second round. And, and, and I believe that his hand damage is, is, is quite significant. It might keep him out of the ring for, for a little bit. He found a way to win. He managed to get 10 rounds under his belt for the very, very first time against a guy who was really game. And Azim took a couple of shots as well. There was a few times where he took a few overhand lefts. And, you know, he kind of showed me a lot on Saturday night. And, and I couldn't understand, as I say, why people were being so negative about him. And, and one of the things which I must applaud him for is 20-year-old, at the end of it, he just went 10 rounds and he turns round and he says to everybody in the crowd, let's spare a thought for the earthquake victims of Turkey and Syria. You know, what, what presence of mind that has. You know, I, I was really impressed with him in many, many different ways. You know, I, I think he could have, you know, opened up a little bit more. But now knowing that he had the hand damage, which Shane McGuigan's now confirmed, he probably wasn't able to. So, you know, for, for me, I was really impressed with him. And, and Rhea's one tough cookie, you know, and, and if he comes back to the UK, I think we'll welcome him with, with, with open arms. How did you see Azim? I thought it was a really good performance, to be honest. Like, I think yeah. what what we both expected was what we've seen prior, which was he was going to get the KO, and that was kind of it was looking likely in the second round. And we thought, yeah, yeah. I was watching it, thinking, yeah, this is going to go as we thought it was going to go. And then Reyes managed to compose himself, get himself back into the fight, and keep it competitive. And I think what's important is what you highlighted just then and, and prior in the preview show, which is he is 20 years old, he needs experience, he needs rounds in the bank, and he needs to be stepping up against fighters that are going to bring him something different every time he gets in the ring. Reyes was an unknown quantity, and on paper, to us, that sometimes can look like, well, he's 12-0 and 0 with a relatively padded record. That's that's kind of how it looked but what he's shown as Reyes was that actually, he, you know, he's very good at what he does in the ring and he was there to try and win the fight. But I think what, what we saw was Azim had more than just a plan A, which was just to knock him out. He had a plan B and a plan C. He had to adapt during that fight, as you rightly pointed out, which, you know, unbeknownst to us watching it, we didn't really know there was a, a hand injury at the time. So, you know, you can understand why people are going, yeah, but he put his, he left his foot off the gas. He didn't finish the fight. He could have finished the fight. Well, you're not expecting a fighter to go in there and cause himself even more damage if yeah. they've already got something that they know is a problem in the ring. None of us as fans can tell what's going on. All we can see is that he's taking a step back, he's not putting the foot down like he normally does, and, and there's obviously a reason for that, and now we know the reason for that, I think you've got to be a bit more justified in sort of giving him, you know, a, a, a critiqued performance. I enjoyed his performance, I enjoyed it, Chris, because I felt like 
what we all get too high on sometimes, and admittedly myself, is the fact that you see these fighters and you see the way they started to demolish fighters and you think this guy you get you get sucked into the hype. That's what I'm trying to say. You get sucked yeah. into yeah. it sometimes and you forget this guy hasn't really had that massive learning experience moment in his career where it's it's pivotal for him. I think this was a pivotal moment early on in his career because he's overcome adversity. Okay, he's not been knocked down, he's not been badly hurt, but he's hurt in the sense that he's got a, a, a fracture to his hand. He's got a, a hand now that's going to keep him out of the ring for a period of time. And he did it early on in the fight and he had to go the rest yeah. of the fight with that hand and be able to adapt and overcome. The fact that he's shown that, that resilience to do that shows me as a fan that actually... You know, it isn't just all about the knockouts for him. Actually, yeah. he's going to have more in the locker than, than what people think. So, yeah, I think the criticism yeah. you're mentioning is, is definitely unwarranted. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the criticism, you know, I think the kind of Twitter brigade, they, they follow each other, don't they? And, you know, i seen Josh Taylor put something out and it was like, Adam Azim, you know, um, next superstar, huh? You know, something like that, you know. People then latch onto it and follow onto it. You know, you've got to think of the backstory. Jo- Josh Taylor came from the McGuigan camp. They fell out. They didn't get on at the end of it, you know, and they moved on. So there's politics, there's history behind that. So, you know, let, let's dispel that. I-, I think back to the fight, when I was watching it, at one point, probably before I realised that his hand was was injured, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, are you trying to look for this big one highlight knockout real shot because you've had it? You know, and and that was my only frustration. But then I started to, you know, enjoy his performance. And what he actually showed is he's a two-handed fighter and his movement is good. And he, and he really works for his angles. You know, he works to the body, then he works to the head. And he's, he's, he's trying to use cute little feints and cut the ring off. And, you know, again, you know, I can't underestimate, you know, when you're 20 years old and you've got the ability to cut the ring off like he has and the ability to to, to feint to the head, feint to the body, you know, and confuse your opponent, who, you know, it was was no mug, you know. It just kind of shows the talent which uh, Azim has got. So, you know, I, I think it was one of those performances, as you correctly say, you know, we'll look back at it in years to come and say, do you know what, that was a performance where he kind of showed that he came of age, that he does have balls as as, as well as, you know, good showmanship. And, and I think that he'll have learned so much from that performance. And most of all, you never know how your body is going to react over over 10 rounds. You know, that's 30 minutes of constant fighting for a young man, you know, and, and to do that with an injured hand, I, I think sometimes as well, fans and, and people who watch boxing might not realise just how small a set of boxing gloves is, you know, and how easy it is to damage your hand. You know, like these eight ounce gloves or 10 ounce gloves when you're above welterweight, there is absolutely nothing to them. You know, and, and even though your hands are bandaged underneath and they've got your empire tape on, again, if you hit your hand wrong once, it's gone. You feel it with every single shot, you know. So for, for me, I think it just showed so much posture and, and, and so much willingness and, and skill to get through the fight. You know, he handled it easily, won every single round, you know, and uh, onwards, you know, for him. It's where they go next with him. You know, I think if we can get another Santos raise in the ring with him again, and kind of progress him to that level, you know, that's what he needs in his next fight again. He doesn't need one, two-round blowouts anymore. He needs learning fights so that when he gets to the top, he's stable. 
Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. I think most people will probably agree the same way. You can't rush him. You don't, there's no need in rushing him forward. He's, he's 20, and you look around the domestic scene at the moment, and you look around fighters that are above him in, in sort of their careers, and you've got people like Harlem Eubank, Lewis Ritson, Dalton Smith, Robbie Davis Jr., O'Hara Davis, and then at the top of the chain, you've got the likes of Catterall and Taylor up there. So, to be honest, he's rated not too far behind, and the two names that ironically are, are sort of sat around him is the two names you mentioned in the preview show, which was Sam Maxwell and Casey Benjamin. I think they would yeah. be good fights for him. Or maybe, maybe even a Tom Farrell would be a good fight for him. You know, someone who's had the experience and, and fought greater fighters and you maybe come up short a little bit. Maybe someone like yeah. a Tom Farrell would be a good fighter for him to get in the ring with as time goes on. But he's got this skill. He's got the ability. It's about nurturing him in the right way. And as long as he's nurtured in the right way throughout the course of his boxing career, then he could be become that superstar that people are making him out to be so i'm excited i mean we, we didn't get to see the knockout that's fine we don't see a knockout in every single fight we got to see him overcome and adapt and that was it the resilience aspect of it was is huge in a fighter because you can go and knock out 20 fighters and if you've got no resilience no heart then that's it you're done soon as you go in the ring and you're throwing punches at a guy who's taking them and eating them up like it's ready break then that's it. You know, that's for me. That's that's when the, the problems arise. It's happened with many a fighter before. So I'm, I'm glad to see he's had a, a difficult fight at times and I'm glad he's got the experience. And, you know, we can look forward to see what happens next for Adam Azim. I'm, I'm, I am excited still regardless yeah, of what people yeah. think about that so yeah I'm, I'm happy for him happy he got the win happy you know the performance was 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 okay in his eyes and it was he did what he needed to do to win so yeah Adam Azim got the win over the weekend and then the other fights on the card then that were of interest to us that we spoke about quite a lot in our preview show last week was Tyler Denny and Brad Pauls and I think this was the one that we literally nailed nailed this one on the money didn't we we literally nailed this one right on the money it went exactly as we both said this would go it, it, it was interesting you know but it, you know it's funny when we when we do these little preview shows you know because people always have different opinions and different things and you know you, you look at the fighters as they size up and you think oh my god have i got this completely wrong you know and and just before they actually um started the bout I'm standing looking at the two of them and I'm thinking, Tyler Denny, even though he's fought as high as 169, he looks tiny compared to Brad Paul's. And I just thought Brad Paul's looked absolutely massive. And 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 I thought to myself, it looks like a middleweight versus a super middleweight. Have uh, have me and Sean got this completely wrong? But I think when Paul's came out, he just looked so I don't know what's the word. I think he kind of looked really, really stiff in his movements. And I was almost getting frustrated for him because he came out and I thought he started okay. He thought he had a, a couple of, you know, decent rounds in round one and two. And and I thought, you know, Paul's looks tidy. He's just kind of looking for his openings here. But he really stuck to that rhythm and pace all the way through the fight. And it was just like one shot, two shots, one shot again. And he was just very, very pedestrian. And I really don't think he could cope with the movements and the angle and, and, and the punch speed of Tyler Denny. And I think by the end of round five, I'd made on my notes that, that Brad Paul's to me looked like he was absolutely exhausted and he was, he was really heavy legged. And mentally, he almost appeared to have given up. 
because he just didn't know what to do with Tyler Denny. You know, and, and as we said in the preview, Denny is a fiddler. He'll fiddle his way to victory. He'll land shots. You'll think, what angle did that come from? You know, he's, he's, he's really, really deceptive in terms of his punch speed. And he kept, and I'm sure everybody who watched the fight and who was looking at their footwork, he made sure that his feet were always on the outside of, of Paul's. He made sure he was sitting right in range at times so that he could land, you know, straight backhand. So I actually thought Denny put on a really, really good performance, but he also put on one of the performances that, as we said, he now puts himself again in the top of the Who Needs Him club because he's so, so difficult to hit. And even yeah. though he's not got a knockout, he's still got some power. And you could see at one point, I think Denny was even going to get his first KO because he just looked to have um, got through to Pauls, who was really looking quite tired on his feet. As I said, I thought he looked really tight over his shoulders and really, he didn't really have a great range of punch, Brad Pauls. You know, for someone who's had as many KOs as he has, 16 fights, yeah, it was just lacking in that top-end experience. And, you know, as we say, Tyler Denny fiddled his way to a victory. And I think something you highlighted, Sean, in the, in the preview show, Paul's hadn't really fought a great level of competition. Most of his um, opposition had losing records. And I think that that golfing class actually showed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus yeah, he did, didn't he? We said this, we said this about Bradley Ray. I thought Bradley, you know, actually what he was showing prior to the Denny fight was actually, yeah, he's he's fighting guys that are not journeymen and he's beating them and he's beating them in a fashion. But even then, you know, Tyler Denny was able to sort of fiddle and fart around in the middle of the ring and get on the inside and make it harder for, for Bradley Ray. And he did the same thing to Brad Pauls. And Brad Pauls has kind of come up the same way, really. You know, he's gone through the Southern Area region and won Southern Area titles. And, you know, he's done what he's needed to do, but he's not really fought the guys that he's needed to fight. And Tyler Denny, yes, it was a great opportunity for Brad Pauls to face him, but... Like you said, he is in that who needs him club now because really, who wants to fight him at this stage? Like domestically, who else wants to fight him? Like he's just he's just basically defended the middleweight English title, right? And then if you look around at the division at the moment and you look like who else is around now that he can fight in this division? And 
there's some good fights domestically. There really is some good fights domestically. Maybe you could go on and fight the stablemate of Brad Paul's, Linus Eudofia, or, you know, you've got guys like Danny Dignam, or, or even, like, the Liam Williams of the world, you know, like, these these are the type of fights that sort of Tyler Denny should be pushing for now. I, I honestly think it'd be, you know, a really good fight. Maybe even someone like a Hamza Sheraz as well. I think maybe he's seen to be a bit further forward in his career in terms of where they've, where they've got him to at the moment, but I think Tyler Denny's the type of fighter who's, He's, he's closing that gap on all those other guys in this division now. When you look at the division and you think of the Felix Cashes, the Denzel Bentleys, the Hamza Sherazes, even the Kieran Conways, Tyler Denny, for me now, is, is he could quite easily fight any of them. I think what he's showed me over the past few fights is that he's ready for that level. He's ready to fight these guys. He's ready to potentially cause what could be deemed an upset in any of those fights. So I think it is important for him moving forward that he... He pushes hard for them because I think he deserves it. I think he definitely deserves his opportunity now to, to move forward. Uh, for for yeah. Brad Pauls, Chris, I think it's just back to the drawing board. I think it's, you know, not so much dropping down levels. I think it's more a case of, you know, you need to be looking at guys around that same level now and you need to start having the experiences. That loss, if anything, might do him the world of good because it might yeah. now teach him a few more things uh, about a different, a different style of fighter and actually a guy who is there to win as opposed to a guy who is there to survive and take you the rounds that you need to be taken. So I am yeah. kind of feeling like Brad Paws will come again and he will have some good fights in this division. But I think he needs to step back. He needs to look at what he's doing going forward and assess the type of opposition he's getting in the ring with and then make sure that they are fighting good quality fighters that are going to challenge him and going to upskill him as a fighter. And that's what he needs now. He needs that upskilling as a fighter to be able to compete at this level. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what you should really focus on, Brad Pauls, is is coming back for that English title again, you know, and, and, and make that his goal because, you know, he'll be looking at it as I let myself down potentially. I didn't perform as I thought I might. And, you know, as I was watching the fight, I was thinking to myself, I really like the look of him. I, I think even though he, he was, you know, a little bit pedestrian and, and easy to, to guess which punches were coming next, I was thinking, how did they bring him back? And, you know, I thought a mover like my Marcus Morrison would be an ideal opponent to bring yeah. him back against, you know, and and I thought, yeah, that, that's kind of fight for you. But then I was starting to think, well, what about the winner? Where does Denny go? You know, and, and I just think as he steps up in class, even though he's fiddly and even though he, he wins around, it's just that probable lack of power punch which is going to hold him back, really. And, you know, if you could maybe see him in against a, a Denzel Bentley or, as you said, a, a Liam Williams, which is a great shout, you know, or even Jimmy Kelly, you know, from Round Dewey in, in Manchester, you know, you just don't see how Denny can hold them off, you know. So he, it's going to be a really interesting one for him because at 31 years old, he needs to start moving now, you know, and he needs to get, you know, a, a big fight. As he said immediately after the fight, how many people have held English titles as long as I have? You know, he's desperate to get his opportunity. And on Saturday, I, I thought he presented himself really well and he deserves that opportunity now. Yep, I agree with that, totally. So, Zach Chelly and Anthony Sims Jr. was the third fight on this card that we really did a lot of conversation about in the preview to this. And, you know, we had our sort of opinions about how this could go down. We both kind of felt that Maybe Anthony Sims Jr. just had that little bit more in the edge of experience to be able to to beat Zach Chelly. But ultimately, Zach Chelly 
proved that he was ready. He was ready for a fight. He had a really good fight. Uh, this was one of the, um, from a technical standpoint, this was probably one of my favourite fights of the night because what I got to see there was, was Zach Jelly boxing really well and actually showing us that, you know, whilst... You know, he might not be a concussive puncher, so to speak. He's actually got the skills to make up for that against a guy who was seemingly deemed more of a banger in the ring. And, you know, he, he, he convincingly beat him via unanimous decision. And all three judges had him quite wide. I think it's about four or five rounds ahead, uh, maybe even six rounds ahead even. And, you know, I thought it was a really good performance from him. And I've been, as, as a fan, as someone who's followed his career for some time, I've been looking for that from him. And that mm-hmm. is exactly what I got. And I was really happy to see it. And although I thought Sims might just not get the nod on this one, as in take the fight, what I saw in the fight was that Zach Chelle actually had overcome again and adapted from his previous fights where we mentioned in the preview he'd had little bits of struggles here and there, i.e. the Jack Cullen fight. He's moved on from that and that was evident in this fight. And this is a big win for him. This is, I think this is a win that really sort of pushes him forward now and he needs it. He needs to be moving forward in his career and he needs to be moving, you know, to the bigger names of the division because you look at the division now and the only other name really around him that is arguably sort of higher regarded as him is, is John Ryder. And John Ryder yeah. is the only other fighter. Below him, you've got people like Zach Parker, Mark Heffron, Lennox Clark. I mean, you know, these are, these are potential fighters, but I think Charlie's personally, I think he's, he's past that now. I think with this victory, I think that takes him kind of past that point. If I was, in his team and I was sort of advising now at this point, I'd be saying, right, well, you know, look at where you are, look at who's around the divisions. You know, there were some really good fights out there for him at the moment. And you could look at a, a Paddy McCrory fight. I think that would be a really interesting fight. You know, 16 and no, he went over to Germany and got a really big victory as well. Paddy McCrory recently. And I think this would be a, a really, really good fight for someone like a Zach Chelle. And I think this yeah. is what he needs. He needs this big fight. And I think, for me, someone like a Paddy McCrory would be a good step forward rather mm-hmm. than sort of focusing on someone like a Mark Efron. And and even if you look around, like, at the rankings and, and sort of the overall rankings, that are, that are loose rankings, by the way. They're not they're sort of, like, specific. They're quite loose in the rankings here. Uh, you've got other names around, like, even guys from America who could potentially, again, bring him over here, get really good names on his resume and then start pushing him in with an argument to start fighting even bigger names. I, I look at Chelly at the moment and I think he's 25 years old and I think, do I honestly see him being a world champion in his future? And my answer is no. Like, I, even though I'm bigging him up for that performance, the answer yeah. is looking at the super middleweight division as it stands... I just can't see how he could beat the likes of Caleb Plant, David Benavides, Demetrius Andrade, John Ryder even. Uh, and, and obviously at the top of the chain is Canelo Alvarez. And yeah. yeah, you can't kind of like, for me, when I look at it like that, Chris, I think, is he going to be a world champion? Probably not. But can he fight world level fighters? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and you know what what a great assessment. You know, I think as I watched the fight, you know, and this is the one as you say we got uh, wrong in 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 many respects. I was disappointed first of all. I think in Anthony Sims, you know, I, I thought the way that he boxed. Sometimes you 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 look at a fighter and 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 you kind of think here's someone that's got all the attributes. He's able to go up and down in weight. 
he looks cosmetically great, his body, his physique, you know, he talks so well. You you know, they, they mentioned on the commentary, when you sit and listen to him, you buy into his story, you know, and, and I was the same. You know, I listened to the Sky Sports um, boxing podcast when he was talking and he told his backstory and I thought, you know what, really love the sound of this guy. Obviously, we'd seen him before in the UK, he'd fought a few times and I thought, you know, he said something which I thought, great, this is what we're going to see. We're going to get a really great performance. He said, I want to base myself in the UK. I want Boxer to sign me. And I thought, you know, we're going to get an explosive performance. We're going to get someone who's coming out to go all singing, all dancing, and show Ben Shalom what he can do. And he came out and he just didn't do much. You know, and, and Zach Chelly, you know, that's not to take anything away from him. He fought well. He controlled the fight. But Sims just didn't do anything. And I'm thinking to myself, come on, you're you're missing a trick round after round after round. He just didn't seem to be looking to engage. There was no urgency. There was no power really behind any of his shots. And he was just happy just to coast. And I was thinking, come on, you know, you've got to try and fight and show a little bit of passion if you want to fight in the UK. And then in the eighth round, he came out and he started to go hell for leather for one single round. You know, and I'm like, where was that for the rest of the fight? You know, where was that? Because when he did it, Chelly looked like he was actually shaking, uh, sh- shaking a little bit, and he looked visibly, you know, affected by the onslaught. And it was almost a case of, how did this happen? Because for the fa- the last seven rounds, nothing's happened, and then he just tailed off again over the last couple of rounds. So I, I was really disappointed in Sims. And if I was Shalom, would I sign him? No, you know, I just wouldn't. I, I don't think there's anything really there that uh, we don't have on these shores already. So where would we take Zach Chelly? Well, John Ryder, as you say, looks like he's going to go to Mexico and fight um, Canelo, which will be an absolute barnstormer you know I actually think Ryder will give Canelo a really good fight for a few rounds before he gets ultimately overpowered you know um Zach Chelly the fight I would love to see Jack Chelly and you know you you mentioned um Jack Cullen Jack Cullen fought a, 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 a Frenchman called Kevin Saggio in Manchester you know Kevin Saggio is the European champion that's probably the type of level for Zach Chelly and I think if they could get a fight against Kevin Saggio, that's the one, if I was boxer, I would be pushing Zach Chelly towards because I think it's his opportunity to get some world rankings. And then if something happens with Canelo, he's got the opportunity to fight for one of the governing body titles if they um, all become vacant all of a sudden. So, you know, Saggio would be a fantastic fight for Zach Chelly. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a really good performance, really pleased for him and his dad. And, uh, uh, you know, it surprised me at just how diligent he was and how much he stuck to his game plan. And and to do that for 10 rounds is, is really, really testament to his character. So they were the three fights that we primarily focused on in our preview for this. But also on the card were good victories for Stephen McKenna. Caroline Dubois, Videl Riley was was in a pretty decent fight for as long as that lasted. Hassan Azim as well, Jordan Reynolds, they all got really good victories on this particular card. And it was good to see these fighters out again. And 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 like we say when we do the previews for them, it is hard to sort of analyse uh, these fights, if you want to call it that, because they are very much learning fights for a lot of these fighters. And, you know, when we talked about 
obviously the Adam Azim fight, yeah, that was also a learning fight. But I think because of how spectacularly he started his career, ultimately it's elevated him up the pecking order of shows so that people want to see him more towards the, the headline of a show because of the fact he was doing that. But you've got people like Caroline De Bruyne, Stephen McKenna in particular, that I think they are really starting to come into their own. And Stephen McKenna in particular is a fighter that has impressed me in the welterweight division. And I'm excited to sort of see where his career goes over the next 12 months. You know, he's already talking about big fights in the welterweight division on the domestic scene. And I think Caroline De Bruyne, I think with her amateur pedigree that she's got, you know, the, the sort of level step up is going to be coming very, very shortly. And we know because the divisions on the female side of the sport isn't so deep, it does allow fighters like Caroline to be able to step up quite quickly in her career. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we see her next few fights quite significant ones. And we, I mean, we've seen it with a few girls from the UK shores, you know, after four or five fights in, they, you know, they're fighting really big, well-known former champions or title challengers or contenders. And I think Caroline Dubai is showing that she's pretty much not too far away from, from, from that sort of category, if you will call it. And I'm looking forward to sort of seeing where, where she goes. And the same with Fidel Riley as well. I mean, What's to be said about him? I mean, people have got their the sort of criticisms of him. People have got the, their opinions of him. But what I've seen so far is actually from, for someone who's who's kind of took to this sport and transitioned into this sport, he's actually took to it pretty well. And I think he's yeah. last two, his last two performances have been pretty good. I mean, I see you look at his resume. You look at last year. He had three fights last year, uh, some relatively decent opposition on there. And then he had this fight on Saturday against Anise Taj. And it was actually a pretty decent fight. Well, it lasted until the cut happened over over Taj's eye. But I think Taj caused him a few little minor issues throughout the course of the fight that, that needed Vidal to actually adapt in, in this fight. But ultimately, there were a few tasty little fights on the undercard, even though they are pretty box standard in terms of what to expect from them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think for for me, just quickly summarising two of the names you mentioned there, I felt for Caroline Dubois on Saturday, you know, almost in the same way as we've maybe felt a little bit for Fraser Clark. You know, she was just so overmatched. You know, her opponent was dreadful. She was looking for an out. You know, as soon as she got in, and you could see she was just really disinterested. And I think give Caroline her due. You know, she cut the ring down really well. She kept her opponent in the corner. She she fired some decent shots. Maybe a little bit over eager at times. She was smothering her own work, but you know she got a a good victory. But you know they're they're going to have to match her better than that. You know I, I think I heard today that they're going to match her five times for the rest of the year and try and push her into a world title shot. Again, probably no new, real reason to rush her because she's so young. But you know she has such a good prospect and she's such a good boxer. You know she just deserves better than she got on Saturday night. But yeah, Riley, Vidal O'Reilly, I think he was probably the kind of eye-opener of the night for me. I was genuinely impressed by what I've seen. And I know people have talked about him. Um, did he train, what, KSI, you know what I mean? The, the, the social media influencer at one point, you know, and, you know, I, I was unsure as to, to, to do what to expect when he first turned over. And, you know, was he wanting to be a media personality? Was he wanting to be a boxer? 
But my word, you know, he's really settled into the role as a, as a boxer. He looks strong, he looks powerful. And, you know, I thought he was punching from different angles, odd angles. His footwork looked really good. Uh, I thought he could punch with both hands. You know, uh, I thought he was very, very um, powerful on, on Saturday night. And, you know, he beat a very, very decent opponent there, even though he was cut. The fight was only going to go one way, and I thought that Riley would probably have caught up with him in the next round or so anyway, because um, it started to get a little bit ragged anyway, hadn't he, in, in terms of Taj, yeah. and, and and just began to almost lose his head a little bit. You know, he was beating his chest at one point, you know, and you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, you just need to try and re- regain your composure. But, you know, yeah, Riley was probably, for me, the, the revelation of the night, and he almost kind of stole the show a little bit for me. I really liked him, and I wanted to see him again, and can you say anything better than when you've got a prospect now who's 8-0 when someone says they want to see him again? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, it's not that often, isn't it? Especially someone like him who's transitioned into the sport yeah, the way yeah. the way he has as well. And I think that, that kind of has something to do with it. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I was I was, I was was looking around at the weekend and I was looking at what else had gone on. And we mentioned a few fighters that were fighting over the course of last week and weekend. Now, one of them we had a little bit of a joke about, which was uh, Eddie Chambers. He actually got the win in three rounds, a three-round TKO on the Tuesday. And then also on Saturday, we mentioned Alexander Gerdvik was back in action he got a six round unanimous decision as well and then one of the big shocks of this weekend it was a fight that i didn't really get a chance to tune into until yesterday until the sunday because it completely evaded me and that was the ray vargas fight and ray vargas was fighting for the vacant wbc title against a fighter who on paper probably you know he was expected to win against he's 36 and 0 going into this fight and then ultimately he loses this fight on points and it was a big shock i think for especially for those that i know over in america who who are journalists who follow this sport avidly like we do i don't think nobody really was expecting ray vargas to lose his fight and he did and he loses that fight and you know his opponent oh shiki foster has now just put himself right on the map and has put himself in a really really good position because he's now a wbc champion so you know his career has really just taken off as a result of this fight so fair play to him fair play to him for getting that victory and you know, there's other results from the weekend that I just wanted to throw in quickly as well. And there was Sean McGoldrick getting the majority decision, winning the vacant British and Commonwealth Bantamweight titles on the Friday night in the sports arena in Cardiff. And then we also had the Magna Centre in Rotherham, which had Hamed Gaz and Reese Mould. Reese Mould got the 10-round decision to win the English yeah. and WBA Continental lightweight titles as well. So, you know, there were quite a few results from over the weekend that I just wanted to make sure we're thrown in there before we call an end to this particular episode. And is there anything else, Chris, from the weekend that you wanted to bring up just as a talking point before we close this show off? Not necessarily as a talking point, but I did see a boxing first at the weekend and uh, weirdly enough, it actually involved one of my good friends. You know, as you mentioned in the preview show, Nicola Hopewell is uh, a good friend of mine and she was having her third professional fight under the British Boxing Board of Control. She was fighting a, a journey woman who was 5, 21 and 3 called Ivanka Ivana. In the first round, the two of them were, were uh, just moving around the ring about 30 seconds in and uh, all of a sudden the referee just called uh, a halt to the contest. Ivanka uh, still had her earrings in. And she had a big pair of dangly earrings in, if you actually watch it on YouTube. And I've never seen that in a fight before. 
So they had to stop the action and get her earrings off. It was absolutely crazy. And, how, uh, how did, then, how did that come about? <laughs> absolutely no idea because, you know, like the referee obviously just didn't think to check her. Connor never thought to check. She obviously never said. But she's like Pat Butcher for EastEnders with these big <laughs> massive earrings dangling around. And as I say, 30 seconds into the fight, you're wondering what's going on. Have we missed something? Someone dropped a gum shield? No, she needs to get her earrings out. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> only in only in boxing. Yeah, that's it. Only in boxing. A a very mixed weekend in terms of the fights and moments that have happened as well. And you know, it was overall it wasn't too bad of a weekend. I did enjoy the boxing to be fair. Very much looking forward to next weekend. Obviously, you are back on for our big fight preview show, which will be being released shortly after this one, with Mauricio Lara coming to challenge Lee Wood for WBA featherweight title. Very exciting fight, which we'll be talking about in a separate episode episode but for this episode that is it we've wrapped this one up we've covered all the fights from the weekend if you've enjoyed the episode and our opinions on these fights and if you've got any afterthoughts on what we've said about some of the fights and the future of some of these fighters then please do let us know you can find us at btr boxing pod on twitter if you want to find chris directly you can find him at boxing blogger uk as well find chris on there if you want to chat to chris or you've got any opinions about what chris has said in certain fights or any questions as well for Chris about his involvement within Bieber definitely if you've not heard the episode we did on the British and Irish Boxing Authority please go back and listen to that because there's some really good informative information about what Bieber are actually doing within the sport at the moment so please make sure you've checked that out also but that is it for this particular episode thank you so much as always for listening and subscribing and sharing across social media a big shout out to all the patrons of this podcast for supporting us as well and if you haven't checked out the latest episode of the darker side of boxing episode number five of season three is now available exploitation and murder the tale of Rick Parker and Tim Doc Anderson is now available please make sure you listen to it it's one hell of a story And that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you back again for the Big Fight Preview. Podcast Network.